We're here with another episode of Not Even D2. On this week's episode, Bob Coleman, who's a longtime Division Three men's basketball top 25 voter, joins us to talk about why he loves covering D3 basketball, what the voting process is like, and some of the best players and teams to keep an eye on for the 2023-24 season. Huge shout out to you for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. What's up, Bob? Um, I appreciate your time. We're very excited to have you on today. How you doing? I'm doing great, KJ. I, I appreciate the chance to be on your your podcast. Uh, kudos to you for doing the podcast. I think it's awesome, and I'm glad to, to, to talk D3 with you. Yes, sir. So how long have you been covering Division Three? Oh, boy. Well, you know, it starts to get scary when you start to add up the years. Uh, I graduated from Illinois Wesleyan. Uh, that's uh, my alma mater in, in 1993. And so I guess I guess the 1989-90 season when I was a freshman was the first year I became a Division Three fan. And here we are in 2023 heading into 2024. Wow. So I don't even want to do the math on that, but it's a long time, KJ. It's a long, it goes by fast. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, I bet. I bet. That's crazy. What motivated you? Uh, you talked about that you were playing Division Three. Was that the main reason that you started to cover Division Three, or was there other factors that led to you covering it? Well, actually, I didn't. I didn't play. I was just. I was a student at Illinois oh, Wesleyan, okay. okay. and um, and a bunch of my buddies were on the basketball team, and I became a huge fan. Like I didn't realize when I went to school there. I didn't realize how good Division Three was until I started watching it as a freshman. And so I really, I guess to answer your question, like I, I got hooked on how great division three is. And then like when I was in school, I had had a, a gig on the campus radio station where I did play by play for the basketball team. Wow, that's awesome. And that hadn't been, been done in several years. And so I started that back up. And then when I graduated, I got into stuff with d3hoops.com and then I started doing radio for, for my Titans on WJBC AM 1230 in Bloomington, Illinois. So like, I just kind of progressively kept staying in touch with it because I really enjoyed it. And it's really been just a hobby because I've got a full-time job and the, the D3 stuff is just something I do for fun. Yeah. I love it. Um, I feel like that's a very big, um, point that you made that oftentimes you're in high school and you hear division three and you're like, oh, th those guys are bums, or I will never go to a Division three school until you get to a Division three school and you're, wow, this this is way better than what my high school played. These kids are way better than me. I got to lock into how they play and develop my game to be able to compete with them. Yeah, I completely agree. That's, I'm, that's why I do what I do, because the level of basketball is outstanding. You know, if you like basketball, to me, Division three. Um, like I like watching division one basketball. Don't get me wrong. I love the tournament every year. It's uh, incredible athleticism to me, as far as pure basketball goes, I think division three is the best level. I really do. I believe that in my heart. I will also say, I think the high school thing depends on geographically what part of the country you're in because in, like in the Midwest division three has, I believe a, like a stronger brand. So high school kids in the Chicago area, and high school kids in Wisconsin and Indiana and Ohio, Iowa, 
I believe that they they think Division three is high level basketball. Oh, so wow. when they're getting recruited by D three, they think of that favorably. Where I, I believe out east, I I think there's a little less like D three brand, and, and so that that I can't prove all that, but I, I I do know in the Midwest that high school kids look favorably on on D three schools. Yeah, I never knew that. Um, in different areas, people are valuing Division three more than others. But I, kn- I know what you're saying in that, like, a, a state like Florida, you don't see many D3s. So we just brought a kid from Florida, and he, he loves Division three basketball. But, like, where he's from, that's just never talked about because it's not out there. Yeah, there's zero D3s in Florida. So that young man would be familiar with Division two and NAIA. There's several parts of the country, KJ, that are like that, where there's just no D3 presence. And so, um, you know, that uh, young man you're talking about, he would come into your place really not knowing much at all about D3. Yeah, no, that's a fact. So you're covering Division Three. You're part of the D3 um, men's basketball top 25. You do rankings, things of that nature. What te- what technology are you using to cover all the Division Three teams, games, things like that? Yeah, nothing real fancy. I'd say, you know, the main thing is just, what's great nowadays is you can watch every game online for the Mm -hmm. most part. Um, That wasn't the case 15 years ago, maybe not even 10 years ago. Um, So to be able to just go to a school's, I think, I think you got to get good at navigating schools, websites, and they're all essentially the same, a lot use the same platform, but just the ability to go to schedule page, find the game, click on watch live. Um, So I'm watching a lot of live streams, there's a, a Twitter, I guess we call it X now. So there's a there's an X uh, social media community where we use the hashtag D3Hoops. And uh, it's a great community. There's, there's several of us on there that um, have built relationships. We see each other in person and uh, we interact and we share thoughts about Division Three. Um, D3Hoops.com would be with kind of the main hub of Division Three like portal. So what Pat Coleman and his team have done over more than 20 years is pretty amazing. That's probably the main stuff I'm using in addition to YouTube, which is where I put the QCast, uh, the podcast that I do. So you're basing everything off of eye test and little um, statistic. I bet you probably still look at the statistics, but that's not your main source of information. It's a great question. I do use, th- there is a... Um, there are a couple computer ranking systems that I look at. The first is the Massey index. I like looking at Massey. And then uh, Matt Snyder, who's the co-host of D3 Datacast, he's been running his own efficiency rankings for D3 for years and years. Wow. So if you go to d3datacast.com, um, I look at his stuff a lot during the year. So I do use data and analytics in addition to, you know, I'll go to the school page and look at stats. And, you know, if I see like a team is holding opponents to 39% shooting, or if a team is shooting 52% from the field, or if a team has a rebound margin of plus 12, um, or maybe an opponent's assist to turnover ratio that's outstanding, I do factor that in. I'm probably heaviest weighted on the eye test is what I would say. Yeah. How important is it to you to factor in the strength of schedule that different conferences and different teams go through because like you said a team might be holding a another like their whole schedule to under 
40% from the field, but it's not as important as if you're playing in a better conference with better players. Basically, there's different, there's stronger conferences. Without question, I, I'm a huge believer in factoring in strength of schedule. I think that's where Massey helps. That's where Matt Snyder's data helps. Anything that gives me some sense of strength of schedule, because that that is the tough part. When it, when a certain team is 13 and 0, and and they have played a weak schedule, and another team, you know, let's say has four losses, but those losses are against top 25 caliber teams. I, I'm a believer of, uh, in digging into the schedule, and, and I try very hard not to rank a team that hasn't beaten anybody. I'm putting that in air quotes. Yeah. So I look at schedule a, a ton. Okay, nice. Um, so obviously what you're seeing is subjective to another voter, and you're, you're using different stats heavy, more heavily than they are. What is the voting process like for – D3 hoops and what you're partaking in. Yeah, really, it's um, we'll start with the preseason poll, which is kind of the, the stage we're in right now. So D3hoops.com uh, administers the poll. They are the D3 uh, top 25 poll that everyone uses. Right now, they're compiling data from a whole bunch of schools. So like they reach out to the voters and say, which school should we ask for info from? And I'll bet you they end up asking for info from like 60 schools or something like that. You know, the teams in the top 25 last year, plus teams that we know are just going to be good because uh, we've learned a lot about who they return or transfers or whatever. So right now they're compiling info for the preseason ballot. And I imagine we'll have a new poll or a first poll by the end of October. Then throughout the, the year, for the most part, there's a new poll every week that's released typically, I believe on Mondays, maybe Tuesday at the latest. And uh, so like Sundays is when I'm doing my new ballot. So on Sunday, I take all the data from Monday to Saturday's games. And um, I'm kind of looking at my old ballot and I'm saying, okay, now what? And I don't necessarily just take my old top 25 and say, okay, you guys are locked in if you didn't lose. To some degree, I'm starting fresh every Sunday when I'm doing that ballot, and I try to get it as right as I can in terms of, like, these are the best 25 teams as they stand today. And then that happens every week, week after week, until we get to the end of the year. Nice. So the D3 Hoops um, top 25 rankings, is that separate from what your, like, what your voting process is or your rankings are actually? Um, they're they're really tied together. So like I'm, I the the voting that I'm doing is for the D3Hoops.com poll. Okay, okay. So like if I if you see me tweet out like here's my top 25, that is essentially me saying that this is what my ballot's gonna be. Or or I'll often after I do vote on a Sunday, I'll say this is the ballot I just submitted, so people can react to that and talk about it. And if they want to criticize me for it, that's great. But the stuff I'm doing is for the D3Hoops.com top 25. Okay, okay, I got you. How much difference is there when, or not difference, but, you know, you like a team a lot, but most of the voters aren't on the same page as you. What is there, like, hard feelings, or what? what is your mindset when you're really pushing for a team, but the other voters aren't? 
pushing for that team as well. I think that's where the healthy dialogue comes into play. And that's, that's why I enjoy the voters that, that have chosen to make their ballots public. I, I understand why uh, not all voters do. There's 25 voters. And I know why people don't. It's because you end up getting into all kinds of criticism and how did you leave my team off? And, but to answer your question, I mean, when you, you get into the dialogue, like last year, off the top of my head, there's a team that I felt very strongly about North park, North park from the, from the CCIW, the league that I'm the most familiar with. Mm -hmm. They had, they had had several down years in a row, but last year when you watched them play, it was clear that they had a brand new head coach who had brought in a bunch of great new players, meshed it with the old players. And they were a top 25 team plain and simple. I think there were a lot of people that were like, Oh, I don't know about these guys. You know, they've been, they've been bad the last few years, but the ability to have some conversation with people about that online, mostly on Twitter and, and get people to start digging into it. It doesn't mean that people are going to agree with you, but at least, at least like go watch them play. And, and I've been on the other side of that too, KJ. Like I've been on the side where, um, you know, like someone's let's say Williams last year, I struggled with where to put Williams in the NESCAC and um, people were higher than them uh, than, than I was. And because of that, I probably watched them more and more and more just to be like, am I like, I must be off or am I off? Yeah. So it's, it's a healthy thing. And I think it's a good part of the process when people are kind of pushing on each other. There's not like a inside reporters, like school to school, like you might see at a division one level. How are you getting information on what transfers are coming? What top freshmen are going where? How are you getting that information? That's probably all, uh, all coming from that Twitter community that's that's now out there. You know, I, I I'm pretty confident in saying that like when a when a significant transfer is coming into a D three school, at some point pretty quickly after it's announced, it flows through Twitter. That you know someone shares it and someone retweets it and and maybe someone directs it my way or or someone else's way that I know, but I think Twitter has become has become the, the home base. Now, d3hoops.com also has message boards. So d3boards.com, you'll get a lot of it getting posted there too. Um, so those are a couple top places, but I would, I would say that uh, information tends to get out there pretty quick. For example, Case Western Reserve, I think they have five grad transfers this season that are significant. Wow. A kid from Wesleyan, a kid from, I think, Sewanee, um, a kid from Baldwin-Wallace. They, they have a great group coming in. And, and word of those guys, they it got around very quickly once uh, once word got out there. Yeah. Let's talk about a few of those transfers. Are there any that are you're especially dialed into this year, like three people that have transferred and you, you think will have big, big seasons? Yeah, I think if you if you look at like which school in Division Three is the most impacted in a good way by transfers, you would say Case Western Reserve. They play in the UAA. So the guys they've come in, it's Anthony Mazio from Baldwin Wallace. Okay. Nineteen points a game last mm -hmm. year. Colin Call from Sewanee is seventeen points a game. Preston McCo, I think that's how we say his name. Maybe I'm saying it wrong, but he's from Wesleyan, fifteen point two. Um, 
And then there's a kid from Washington Lee that's like 10 points a game. And then there's a D1 kid from Florida A&M that didn't, didn't play last year, but he's at a D1 school coming in. Yeah. Um, Jalen Hewitt. So the, as far as impact transfers coming in, um, now you also have guys that are going back to their own school. That's like uh, Josh Engel is coming back to Claremont Mud Scripps. Or I think Colin Gurley is coming back to Mount Union. So some of the biggest trans or some of the biggest fifth year situations are the the guys that are staying at their own school and using that COVID yeah. fifth year of eligibility. Wow, that's great. I feel like that's the that's the beauty of how podcast and Twitter D three hoops is affecting Division three is we're able to understand who are, who are the good players where are they who are the good teams how they are affected and i i really just just love that and i can't stress you know kj what what it was like you know 25 years ago trying to follow this stuff when none of this existed you had no idea who was out there um sometimes until mid-season late season like you didn't get to watch another team unless you went to the game yeah and there was the very little information flow uh this was before everyone had uh you know a website you go to and see who the players were there just wasn't much out there and so in the last 25 20 15 10 years things just keep getting better and better to the point where now some guy that lives in dallas doing a podcast like me can talk to uh, you know, a kid that's a, a basketball player at Alfred and we could talk hoops. Like yeah. I, we would never have connected <laughs> 20 years ago. I can tell you that. That's crazy. How more accurate do you think your rankings get now that there is that media? Or do you think that over time, like prior to media, over time, you're going to just understand what teams are good and what teams um, aren't as good? You know, who knows the, the the top 25 poll is always just it's subjective either way you do it yeah. even the even when you're in the late season you and you've seen each team play 22 games or whatever at that point you're still just doing your best to subjectively rank the teams um i do i think that things are easier to follow now because you can watch teams play i'm a i'm an eye test guy so i try to watch as many of the teams that i'm thinking about voting for as possible I'd like to think that my ballots are a lot better today than they were 15 years ago. I have a lot better understanding of the national picture. You know, I understand the Southern Collegiate Conference. I understand the Northwest Conference. Um, I understand the ODAC and the NESCAC and the, the, the Empire 8 enough to be a better voter than I was 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. So uh, I'd like to, to think better. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. All right, we're back. Um, Bob, do you see any differences in the style of play from teams, say, in the East versus the West or the North versus South? Are there any differences in how they play, how they go about things, how they recruit? Talk about that. It's a great question. I would I would say that um, maybe 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I, I would answer that question that, you know, generally like the teams in the Midwest are, are you know, you're, you know, they all have a, a couple big guys on the floor at all times. And it's more of a, uh, you know, let's throw it to the post 
kind of offense and we're going to kick it out and maybe the teams on the east or on the, the coasts might be a little smaller but quicker and more athletic a little more dribble drive shoot the three but nowadays kj i, I i'm seeing that i'm seeing different styles all over the place mm-hmm. um north park in the cciw is a crazy athletic perimeter oriented group that's trying to steal the ball from you they're trying to run um whereas like a wisconsin oshkosh is a bruising big physical team every year um if we look at like redlands in the sciac out in california redlands wants to score 90 points a game and steal the ball from you and um so like to me like what is but whereas say pomona pitzer or claremont mud scripts always have good big guys you know that they dump it down to so i think there are different styles now equally in every part of the United States. If there is one truism, it's that leagues like the UAA, the CCIW, the WIAC, they're known to have a lot of size, you know? So like a a lot of times in the tournament, you'll see teams play um, it just contrasting styles. It doesn't mean one team's going to win or lose, but, you'll see differing size when you, when you get into the NCAA tournament. And uh, generally there's, there's some leagues that we know are big, but heck, even in the, within those leagues, there's different styles. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. So when those teams are battling against each other, what are you noticing in those battles? Are, is it whatever team can get to their style quicker wins the game or, Whatever team can adapt to the other team style quicker wins the game. What what are you noticing? Yeah, that's also a great question. You know, um, the the team that, that that can force the hand of the other team has the advantage. That's an obvious statement. But like last year in our league at the CCIW, Illinois Wesley and my alma mater versus North Park would be uh, the way the teams were set up last year. Completely opposite teams. Um, Illinois Wesleyan had a ton of size and, um, and and not, not really a true point guard on the floor last year. Whereas North park had just all this great perimeter play, great defenders. And when the two teams played each other, you know, both times, I think North park took Illinois Wesleyan out of what it wanted to do. It, it pressured the ball. Mm-hmm. It made it difficult to get it inside um, and, and they kind of impose their will on Illinois Wesleyan. So when, when these things happen, I think you've got to have, you have to have great guard play KJ. That's what I would say is yeah. like, you cannot, you cannot be a great team. If you don't have great guard play at the one and the two, I'm talking guys that can handle it, pass it, shoot it. If you do not have that, I believe you're in trouble. Wow. That that's great. That's really a good analogy because, you know, a lot of coaches might see that their their bigs are their best players, so they're not giving a lot of attention to that guard play. But like you said, that, that might be the most important position in the game of basketball and specifically Division three basketball. There's there's teams right now that, that are doing a good job. Like the, I keep going back to North Park. They're just the team in my head as a good example. <laughs> they make it hard for you to have 
three big guys on the floor at one time. Like, let's say that your wings are six, five, and then you, you got two guys in the post at like six, seven and six, eight. Um, if those guys can't dribble, if they can't protect the ball and, and hang on to it in the face of pressure, then it's hard to have them all on the floor at the same time. So a lot of times a team that's really good at, at defending and pressuring almost like forces your personnel. And the way you can avoid that being forced is by having really great guard play at the one and the two. If you do that, if you have that, you can have your bigs on the floor and you're going to be just fine. But that, that's how I look at it. Yeah. You're covering all these different regions and conferences. What teams in the Northeast are you keeping an eye on this year? Well, when I, you know, the Northeast, we could draw lines on a map differently, but you know, I'll just, I'll just think of, you know, generally the, the Northeast part of the United States um, in my top 25 ballot that I'm currently working on. I'm just going to kind of go through, I'll pull out some teams in the Northeast. Um, Oswego State, mm -hmm. uh, Keene State, Williams. Um, those would those would be at the, at the top of my list. So in terms of like teams that I think could go to a Final Four. Um, now again, we start to get a little more into like the Mid Atlantic territory when we start talking about Johns Hopkins yeah. and, and then of course Swarthmore from the Centennial. Um, there's many other teams in the NESCAC that are great. Um, but just off the top of my head, St. Joe of Connecticut has been fantastic the last three, four years. They lost a ton. I would expect them to reload and be pretty good. I think Nichols, Nichols has been really good, and they were outstanding last year. They lose a couple key guys, but they'll be really good again. Those are just a, those are a couple of the teams that are on my radar right now. I want to talk about your top twenty-five rankings. Just a few teams. The first team I want to talk about is you had Christopher Newport, number one, correct? Yeah, like if I had to do my ballot today, they'd be number one, and there's there's really nothing that will change that by the time I do have to send it in, for sure. And I know that they have been one of the top programs in Division Three for a long time. What about that school, that program, that coaching staff makes them so dominant? They got it rolling right now, KJ. They really do. So Coach Coach K there is one of the best coaches in Division Three. What he's done in his time there, just year after year after year, they're great. Their their group of talent, the talented guys they have coming back. Uh, most of the team from the national championship team is coming back, including Trey Barber, um, John Hines. Um, th these are great players, and um, I would just say they do things the right way. They 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 coach well. They recruit well. Um, their guys play the game the right way. So uh, if when you start listing the best programs in Division Three, it wouldn't take long to just put Christopher Newport down on the paper and say yeah. they're in that group for sure. And then a little lower on the list, you had Oswego State at number four. What about that team and where they're playing? Who's coming back for that team makes them one of the top teams in Division Three, in your opinion? Yeah, they, they, they got all the way to the Elite Eight last year. So they beat Randolph-Macon. Randolph-Macon was number one in the country in the Sweet 16. They beat Randolph-Macon. And then they lost, a, they lost a heartbreaker in the Elite Eight game. 
um, the game to to get to the final four. Um, they lost to Whitewater. And, you know, they return most of that team. Hmm. So uh, almost everybody from their rotation, um, they, there's, I think, one or two guys that are gone. But the most important guys are all back for Oswego State. So when I start looking at, like, who's going to be great this year, the easy way is to say who was great last year and returns their whole team. And <laughs> yeah. they're on that short list. They're on that list. Who's a sleeper team that all Division three schools around the country should be aware of and have on their radar? You know, one for me, a team that I voted for many times last year that I was probably higher on than most other people, and I think I'm the same way heading into the preseason. I'll go with Barry. So Barry, uh, based out of Georgia, I think – they're going to be fantastic again. They they return their top three guys from a team that was outstanding last year. They didn't make the tournament. They they just missed out on a at large bid because their strength of schedule wasn't great. But I think Barry will will be a team that that people aren't looking at um, coming in that they should be. I think McAllister in the MIAC in Minnesota. I think McAllister returns like nine of their top ten guys. And so I'm looking at McAllister as a team that could do a little damage. Um, maybe one more to throw out there. Uh, Flairmont Mud Scripps um, out of the SCIAC. Uh, I think people are thinking that they graduated most of their guys from a great team, but Josh Engel's back. Uh, they have another key guy back, and they have a couple transfers that are going to help them a lot. So yeah, that's just a short list kind of uh, quickly on on a few sleepers. Yeah, I can't stress enough. You you're talking about oh, this team returned nine out of ten. This team brings back two of their best players. You someone listening might think like, okay, they're gonna be about the same as they were last year, but that extra year of playing together under the same system, getting better over the off season, that really can make a the whole difference in a team. Yeah, like hugely especially um like freshmen get so much better as sophomore so i always look at like where who's a team where there's a there was a kid playing you know 12 minutes a game as a freshman that was doing really well i'm gonna assume that that kid's gonna take a huge jump sophomore year sophomore to junior junior to senior it's similar is is guys get better and so when i've got a team that like finished fourth in their conference but they return everybody and the other teams that were ahead of them lose a ton. I'm thinking that team's going to win their league. Yeah. And uh, guys get a lot better from year to year. And collectively, you add that all together across a whole rotation. That's that's huge. Where are you seeing the biggest jumps in individual players from year to year? Is it that freshman to sophomore year? Is it that junior to senior? Where are you seeing the biggest jumps? Freshman to sophomore or sophomore to junior, you know, one, one of those two, um, in division three, it's hard to play as a freshman. Super. It is right. It's, it's hard to play as a freshman. You, you know, that you're a sophomore right now. And you know, you know that you're better right now than you were a year ago at this time. Right. And so, I mean, you, 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 these kids that are coming in that you've been on campus with for the last month and a half or so that you're getting to know, and you guys are practicing now you were in their shoes a year ago and you know that you you've lifted weights you're better conditioned you know how hard you have to play 
And the average kid coming in from high school does not have any of that figured out yet. Yeah. They don't, they're not physically ready most of the time. And they're certainly not like mentally ready. Some of them think they're going to walk in and just be a starter from day one. And they have no concept. So maybe, maybe freshman to sophomore is what I'll stick with is my, my topic. Yeah, I'll agree now. with that. I just want to say something real quick. Bob is saying I'm a sophomore because I only played one year, but I did um, redshirt my previous year. So there's the so junior junior school wise. Yeah, but I have three years of eligibility left. Right. So you've been covering Division three for a ton of time. We talked about that a little bit earlier. What trends are you seeing in the Division three game of basketball? I would say differing styles of play. Like we talked about, um, I would say more teams that are going more perimeter oriented. And that is, look, we could say that if we were doing an NBA podcast too, right? Like, or a division one. So more perimeter, more shooting threes, less having a big guy that plays the, you know, the traditional center position. There are still teams that play that way. In fact, a lot but definitely a trend towards perimeter. I would say during this era that we're in with, with uh, the COVID period of time, the grad transfer, because, because that four classes that were on rosters in 2021 had an extra year they could use if they wanted to. There are all kinds of grad transfer fifth year guys out there. Yeah. That we're in the third year of it. And next year will be the fourth and final year of that. That has been such a big deal when you've got experienced guys, you know, that are 23 years old, it's almost made playing freshmen impossible. It's made playing freshmen very difficult. Yeah. And so the grad transfer thing, KJ has been really huge. Yeah. It's, it's really huge for the team, but for those freshmen, it kind of not sucks. Cause you get to learn from them. You see how to go in day in and day out, but, it definitely is like, dang, if this kid wasn't here, I might be the backup or I might start. So it's definitely a, uh, a tough situation. It's a big deal. It's, a, it, it's, it's, worth, it's definitely worth talking about. And like picture being on Case Western Reserve and you're a sophomore that's put in your time and you're going to be a junior and you're going to be a pretty good player. And, and they bring in five grad transfers from other schools. Yeah. And now, and now you go from like, Hey, I was going to start and play a bunch to like, maybe I'm not going to see the floor. That's a big deal. And I think look more power to schools that are using that model, but I think that's a hard way to build the program. And it's hard for your personnel when you're just rolling all these guys in that's, that's my personal opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Um, I want to talk about some of the coaches in division three. Are there some dominant coaches where no matter what, you know, their team is going to be, a great team just because of his system or her? I think KJ, there's a, there's a whole bunch of those. Like there's a, there's, there's too many to, there's probably too many to, to do it justice, but like, I'm probably thinking of the Q cast and some people I've had on recently, but like Emory has been great every year for 12 or 13 years. And that's because Jason Zimmerman's a great coach and the staff's great. They are consistently great. Pat Yuckum in the same conference at WashU. He was great at Oshkosh. He's great at WashU. Um, we talked about uh, John Krikorian at Christopher Newport. Um, guys like John Vanderwall at Marietta. Marietta has been 
amazing year after year after year. Um, so there, there's, we could, we could list a whole bunch of guys, but yes, like coaching matters. And there's a handful of coaches that, well, there's more than that. There's, you know, there's 25, 30 coaches that their programs are always good because they're good. Yeah. Is it more of how they recruit, what plays they're running on offense, their um, defensive system? What sets those coaches apart from some of the other coaches? I'd probably say two things. I'd, I'd say, yes, it starts with recruiting. Mm-hmm. Number one is recruiting. Number two, I'd say is culture. Um, the culture of the, the program. I think X's and O's, we would list that somewhere pretty soon after that, like being able to get on the floor and play smart basketball. And But recruiting and culture, I think if we did a study of the best programs in Division Three, we would find that those two factors are consistently strong across the board in those programs. Yeah. We talked a little bit before we started recording um, about some of the people you had on the QCast. You had a woman coach. What are the – if when you're following women's basketball, what are the differences or challenges you're seeing covering men's versus women's basketball? I would just – I would say with limited hours in the day and time in a week to dedicate to hobbies – Unfortunately, what happens is like someone like me ends up slanting too much of their time to men's basketball. And I'm sure other people are like that. Now, I'm sure there's also people on the other side of that that follow the women's game exclusively and barely watch a men's game. So there's no, that is that is what it is. There's nothing wrong with that. We're all kind of choosing on where to to focus our time. But there are just as many incredible coaches and programs on the women's side of division three, like you mentioned, Julie folks from Transylvania uh, won the national championship last year. If you listen to that episode, to me, it's one of the most uh, like learning opportunity episodes of the QCast that I can, I can remember. It's unbelievable. And um, you know, I've had like the head coach from Oshkosh and hope and, and, and Illinois Wesleyan and Milliken and some other places on, on the women's side. And uh, the women's game is strong. And and where, where it is today versus where it was 30 years ago is unbelievable. And uh, the, the women's game itself, when you go to, to watch a D3 women's game, it's the, the talent's incredible, just like the men's side. So um, it's important to me to continue promoting that and, you know, honestly doing a better job of, of balancing that. Yeah, I think that that's really big. The narrative, you know, and some kids or some adults – head is that women's basketball isn't as good or they're not as talented but it's kind of like what we talked about d1 versus d3 it it might not be the same athleticism but they're playing just as good as basketball and i really think it's important to keep promoting women's basketball and get that to be an equal stage to where the women's side is getting as much or more attention than the men's side couldn't 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 say it better. I agree with you 100. percent And uh, this for the same reasons we've talked about on the men's side. Like to me, I feel like if you enjoy basketball, if you enjoy women's basketball, I think Division Three women's basketball is the best version of it. I really do because of the skill and the attention to fundamentals and details. So um, couldn't agree with you anymore. Yeah, um, we're gonna end this episode with a little rapid fire and starting five edition. You ready? I'm ready to go. All right. Favorite genre of music? Oh, 
Oh boy. I'll say classic rock. I'm old school KJ. Okay. Classic rock. <laughs> um do you do you watch the NBA? Uh not 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 really. Okay. That, that's probably my bet. You know, if the Chicago Bulls decide to get good consistently again, my answer will be yes. But <laughs> I'm a Michael Jordan guy that when that his final shot in 1998 against the Jazz, that was kind of the end of me being an NBA fan for a long time. <laughs> All right. I was going to ask you your favorite NBA team, but let's do favorite NBA player. You can go back in the day if you'd like. Yeah, that's easy. You know, Michael Jordan. I, I was I, I grew up as a kid in Chicago, and I saw the whole era up close. And to me, they'll never be a greater player, although I understand the argument for LeBron. <laughs> I agree with you. Um, dream dinner guess. Oh, boy. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to keep it somewhere in. I'm going to say I'm going to I'm going to say Ryan Whitnable of Ryan. the Great Lakes Invitational because I've had dinner with Ryan Whitnable and it's always <laughs> fantastic. So that's what I'm going to go with. I respect that answer. I really do. All right. This edition of the starting five is going to be uh, starting five assembled by division three players currently so so like 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 five guys if i was building a team and i could yep. i could create my team who i'd pick yeah um and just give the listeners a brief brief description of what makes that player so good okay this is a good question here we go you're gonna you're gonna test me so I'm, my point guard's gonna be spencer friedman uh, the, the the kid from nyu he's coming back i think it's his fifth year okay. transferred in from harvard I believe he's the best point guard in Division Three. Um, he's he's outstanding. So Spencer Friedman is my my point. I'm going to play two guards alongside of him, and the first is going to be Josh Engel from Claremont Mud Scripts. Unbelievable player. He's a fifth year guy. Um, look at his season last year; it was incredible. So Josh Engel is going to be one of my guards, and then uh, no brainer here is Josiah Johnson from Mary Harden Baylor. Six two six three kid that makes big shots. Period. If you look at some of the shots this kid's made in his career, unbelievable. Okay. Um, so that's my kind of my backcourt. I'm gonna have two big guys on the floor, and because of how good my guards are, you're not gonna be able to guard my big guys. Uh, Jeff Hunter, six seven from Keene State's gonna be my four, and um, uh, he, to me, he's one of the best players in Division three. And then my, I'm gonna have a traditional five man. Jalen Overway from Calvin. I think he's 6'8 or 6'9. He is as good of a young big guy. He'll be a sophomore this year. So, KJ, that's my on the fly D3 starting five. I know I forgot some people, but I but I I'll take my chances yeah. with that team. I, I like it. And I also like how your previous statement of you gotta have great guards if you're gonna be a good team. And then you said I'm gonna have three guards. So I like it bunch of mismatches you're not there. yeah if you you can try to pressure us with my friedman angle josiah team you can try to pressure us kj but we're going to be good <laughs> and we're going to score a lot of points on you if you try to play that way there should be like a an all-star game for division three well there is so there is so at the um Let's at the it. final four every year um the, the guys that are in the ncaa tournament still like the final four teams aren't eligible but um, before the national championship game on Saturday, there is an all-star game that's pretty cool to watch. So it's some of the best players in Division Three, like the East versus the West. Nice. And uh, check that out. It'll be on 
they stream the video and it's really cool. So that's something you can check out this year. It's fun. How uh, we don't got to go on and on about it, but are you a part of that voting process as well? No, I don't, I'm not tied in with like picking those teams or anything. And that's really, I think the guys from d3hoops.com are, and it's an NABC thing. Okay. So the National Association of Basketball Coaches run that, but they do a great job with it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Work. So tell the listeners where they can find your podcast, the QCast, and what you talk about um, and what you're looking forward to do with that QCast. Yeah, I appreciate that. The easiest thing is just to kind of use use my Twitter page as kind of the home base. So my handle is at IWHoops.com. <laughs> IWHoops.com. If you go to Twitter and find, or just Bob Quillman, Q-U-I-L-L-M-A-N, go to my Twitter page. I've got the link to the QCast up there. That'll be the best place for people. Just one-stop shop, find the stuff I do. And um, I'll continue to have guests throughout the year. I'll try to balance like geography and parts of the country and men's and women's and all that stuff. So uh, count on about once a week, I'll have a new episode and uh, I try to have fun with those. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time, Bob. This has been another great episode of Not Even D2 podcast. And I hope that you follow some Alfred University games and I'm looking forward to talking to you more throughout the year. I'm looking forward to you hitting some big shots and playing sure. well in some big games here in January, February, and then you can come be on the QCast and we can talk about Alfred being in the mix in the E8. We could talk about Let's fun stuff. So Let's like you it. go crush it, KJ. I appreciate it. Have a good night. You too. Thanks, man.